Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. I'm Preston Sharp. Today, we're looking at our Old Testament reading for the week which comes from Exodus 33, verses 12 through 23. And we hear that Moses continues to plead with God for God's presence to still go with him and with them, the people. And God says that he will go with them. But there's a bit of a back and forth here. Moses wants to know what exactly that's going to look like. And Moses makes it clear to God that he wants to see his glory in fullness. God, on the other hand, communicates to Moses gently and consistently that this is going to happen on his terms because God knows what's best. We often ask this kind of question in difficult times in our lives. What are you going to do, God? How are you going to walk with me? We understand this vague concept as Christians that God will go with us, but we want to know how. We're longing to know that God will once again in my situation be good, once again prove true in a world of falsehoods. God's response to Moses, my face will come and I will give you rest. Now the word face is often translated presence. There's not a special word in Hebrew for presence. It's the same word as the word for face. So God is basically saying, I will not go with you but my face will go with you. Can you imagine saying that to somebody? Somebody asks you to dinner and you say, well, I'm not available, but my face will go with you. What does that even mean? And this is Moses's question. This is a very interesting construct here in the Old Testament. What does it mean for God's face or God's presence to go with him? Well, God seems to be doing a couple things at the same time. He seems to be granting reassurance to Moses that he will be with them while not quite acknowledging that his full self will be leading them. Again, this is tricky and it's mysterious. Moses continues to tell the Lord that they need his presence to go with them. If they do not have him with them, what will make them any different from the other nations? In fact, Moses reminds God that their entire identity as a people rests in the fact that God is with them. Without that, that, there's nothing unique about them as a people. So Moses presses what exact commitment is God making to his people in regard to his presence? God's response is to reassure Moses. He will do for him exactly what he's asking. He will be a constant presence with the people. Why? Because he's pleased with Moses and he knows him by name. By giving his face to them or his presence to them, God is saying that the people will be protected from the danger of his presence, the reality of his presence that is too much for them, that they can't quite fully grasp, but he will still be granted with the reality of God's presence. Still, Moses wants more than that. (laughs) He says he wants to see God's full glory and splendor. Now, we think about Moses has come a long way since the burning bush, right? At the burning bush, remember that he was, he was nervous. He was scared. Well, at the burning bush, God invited Moses to draw near, but he also says, take your shoes off. Be careful as you come near because this thing is sacred ground. This space is sacred space and it's going to change you. You need to be prepared for that. 
I think in our modern world, Christian language for God in modern churches often has become really familiar. We're comfortable talking about God as friend, about God's closeness to us, about God following us wherever we go. And of course, so much of this is good. And it was a reaction to many of the churches that that we might have been involved in or that our parents may have been involved in that emphasized the distance of God, that God is so far away and distant to an unhealthy degree. And so we've kind of tried to bring that back and said, no, God is with you and God is close and near to your everyday experience, which of course is completely true. But Christianity sometimes gets built around this idea of Jesus as my bestie, (laughs) feeling God's closeness all the time to such an extent we may have lost all perspective when it comes to the overwhelming glory of God, the way in which God is present on God's terms, not on our terms, and the ways in which God's presence is always to change us. God grants Moses' request only partly. For Moses to see God's glory directly would be like asking to see the sun directly. God says no one can actually see God and live, verse 20. Why? God's glory opens up a world we cannot yet imagine. We catch glimpses and we're thankful for those glimpses, but we do not yet see God's glory in fullness. I think about the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who really his entire public life was pointing to God's future world to a future world that he didn't see in his presence um, around him at that time. Uh, And I think about his last sermon, I've been to the mountaintop. And he basically admits, I I don't know what the future holds, and I don't know if I'll actually be able to, to make it into this new world with you, he tells the congregation. Says this, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. And then he quotes scripture, mine eyes have seen the coming, the glory of the coming of the Lord. There are many things about God that we are not yet ready to see. And we must be careful that God does not become too familiar. His ways are not our ways. Still, we celebrate the glimpses of God that we see in the world. The times where we've been to the mountaintop. God takes Moses as close as possible while still protecting him. And he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Verse 19. In other words, though Moses cannot see God's glory, God shows him something about his character, his goodness, his graciousness, his mercy. In some sense, God is offering something better than a manifestation, which is what Moses asks for. God is offering his character, his nature, his goodness. And it is the proclamation of God's nature and God's heart that will be the reassurance that Moses needs of God's faithfulness to him and to his people. And that's what we need to hear today too, is that God will be with you and God is good all the way through. This story ought to lead us to awe. God is bigger and more beautiful than we could possibly imagine. And yet God does reveal God's self to us. Verses 21 through 23 bring to mind a familiar song, perhaps to some of you who have been in church for a long time. 
John Goldengay recalls the story of a guy named Augustus Toplady, very British name, <laughs> a young minister who on a stormy day in 1763 was caught in the cliffs nearby Cheddar Gorge, yes, named after the cheese, in the west of England. And he takes refuge in a cave and he reflects on the way the rock of faith provides us with a shelter for the storms of life. And then he wrote this old hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of a rock, right? And it's a riff on these verses in Exodus. God speaks using two images. He says he will hide Moses in the cleft, in a cleft in the rock, and will cover you with my hand, he says. Here God is saying even his face is too splendorous to be seen by Moses, right? Um, and which may be confusing to us because he just said his face would go with him. And if we're confused, we might just be tracking right along with where this story is going because God is both too glorious and always present with us. These are two things we have to hold at the same time. They're not in balance with one another. They're both true at the same time. Both are good news for Moses and for us. So God is always with us, giving us exactly what we need at the given time. At the same time, God protects us from all that would overwhelm us because it is beyond our capacity. The fact that Moses sees God's back, which is what it says, I always think that's interesting that God is kind of um, given human qualities anthropomorphized and ha as having a back. Well, that may indicate God's leading, that Moses is told of his goodness and then invited to follow, to trust in him as he leads. In the New Testament, we know that Paul called Jesus the image of the invisible God and says that Jesus, in Jesus, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell. Therefore, in Jesus, we see the fullness of God, which the prophets saw in measure in which each was able. St. Augustine said that the words which the Lord says to Moses are understood to prefigure the person of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, we know that Paul said after this life, we shall see face to face. Interestingly, the early church father Origen, he, he flatly stated in this story that the rock in which Moses found refuge, that rock is Christ. We'll talk more about this in our uh, benediction on Sunday, but I hope this week we can hear that God is faithful to be with his people, to give us exactly what we need. God is present. And that presence is serious business because it changes us. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.